Hi, this is Michelle Wainwright, and welcome to Creative Juicy, a podcast about the creative process, the journey to finding your voice, and tools to help creatives, aka people just like you, find inspiration, confidence, and some business savvy along the way. My career in brand and content strategy led me to collaborating with incredible creators, from photographers to directors, chefs, designers, stylists, illustrators, developers, founders, and so much more. I'm here to shine a light on the experiences of people who dare to be different, with the hopes of inspiring you to do whatever makes you feel unapologetically you. So let's get into it. This is Creative Juicy. Also, you're in LA, aren't you? Yes, I moved here a few months ago. Um, Oh my gosh, I love it so much. I was there for a few months in COVID this time last year, and I miss it. It's, I mean, I'd always done work and traveled out here, but yeah, yeah, I don't miss New York, I have to say. Not yet. I I think it'll hit me, but I don't miss it yet. Yeah. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for joining me. First, can we start off with you introducing yourself and describing a little bit about what you do? Yeah. Um. Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh. My name's Jesse Bearden, and I'm an artist slash creative problem solver. Uh, I kind of do a little bit of everything, and I guess the way I view it is sort of taking everyday materials and objects and sort of rearranging them or organizing them from a new perspective so that they turn into something else. So how did you get into your career? Like, where did it all start? So <laughs> it's sort of an accidental story, which I think is a little bit different. I kind of had two prongs that got me to where I am. Um, When I graduated college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was just researching things. And um, it was at the time of Lady Gaga's like peak crazy set designs and tours and outfits and everything. And I was like, who's designing this stuff. And I Googled, um, long story short, I like found this woman, Marla Weinhoff, who was doing all of her set design. And I made this little creative box and sent it to her in the mail. And um, she like called me or her like assistant called me and was like, hey, we got your box. This is really cool. Like, are you going to be in New York anytime? Like, we'd love for you to come in. Um, And so I, the summer after I graduated, went up and met with her and she sort of was like, well, if you're around, like you can work on some projects with me. And so that was kind of one way that I got to New York. And then for my, on the other end, like my Instagram really helped as much as it didn't feel like it was doing anything at the time, me just putting work out there, like in 2013, 2014, before it was really such a influencer market when it was just people really putting things out there. I think people were was seeing my work and, um, that sort of helped build that part of my career. That is so baller that you sent a box. <laughs> Where did I know, you get I don't that know idea? How I, had, I don't know how I had the nerve to do it because I'm always really shy. And definitely one of my biggest flaws is like not putting myself or my work out there. But I guess it was just that graduation desperation of like, what do I want to do? I know what I don't want to do. So I had to do something. Um, and I kind of just went for it. What was in the box? I had, I know it had, um, I made these playing cards sort of that had on one side of the card, if each card had um, a material and then on the back was like an image of 
stuff that I made out of that material, some, something like that. I don't remember exactly, but it would say like grass and on the back, it would be like this portrait made of grass or whatever. So it was like a deck of cards. Um, and then there was like my resume and some other stuff in there. That's so awesome. <laughs> I had a kind of a similar experience recently. I just got a new job and I had heard about a company um, on a podcast I was listening to and I couldn't find any job listings anywhere. So I didn't make a box, like I didn't make a physical thing, but I made a page on my website that basically was like, hi, I'm Michelle and this is why I would be a perfect fit for your company. And then at the end it was like, I can wear many different hats with like different titles I could take. (laughs) And it worked. Like sending something that you just make yourself digital or physical, I'm actually shocked that it worked, but it makes an impact if you can get in front of someone in that way. I love that so much. I just think it's so – just to show that you put in effort for that specific um, client or like person that you could be working with, it just – really makes you stand out. And I think it's such a fun thing to do. And if it doesn't work, it's always just a good exercise and you didn't lose anything. Yeah, exactly. So what did you go to school for? What did you study in school? So I actually, I went to UT and I originally graduating high school, wanted to do engineering. And then I went to mechanical engineering. Then I went to industrial design as far as what I wanted to do. And it sort of got watered down, watered down until I was, by the time I was actually entering freshman year of college after that summer, I was like, you know, I think I want to be a little more creative. So I had no major for my first two years of um, school. And then I studied advertising. Oh, awesome. Um, So did I at UT. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in the portfolio program. So so was I, but I was terrible. I was terrible at it. (laughs) It was so stressful. Because that program was awesome because I feel like it was great to learn conceptually how to think about design and projects and problem solving. But I didn't know how to physically make anything with any of platforms or tools. So I had all of these ideas in my head and I couldn't physically make them. Like I just couldn't make it happen. So I remember P1, my final project, I was just like a mess. (laughs) And that was my only like C in school ever. It was rough. I mean, I get it. I First of all, it's all subjective, but they grade you, especially your first year, you go into it thinking it's so black and white. But at the end of the day, it's advertising. And like, who? I mean, it's subjective for the most part when you're doing something conceptual where there's no metrics to judge your work off of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that program, having to make stuff, having to know Photoshop, photography, um, all of the skills, but not being able to take any classes that would teach you those skills was sort yeah. of a blip. Yeah. Uh, so I understand that struggle. I'm sure you killed it in that class. Okay. So you moved to New York and you're working on projects with, what was her name? Marla Weinhoff. How did you start getting client work from there? Like what did that progression look like in terms of your career and getting clients? So I think, I think the first, when I was in New York, I didn't have by any means, like full-time work with Marla. It was just here and there. But one of the first things we worked on, she was doing a Taylor Swift music video and there were all of these paintings on the wall and something had happened where the artist they were working with ran out of time or I don't really know what happened, but I was there. And so she was like, I know Jesse can paint. So Jesse can do these portraits. And so I got to do those portraits and go to the set of that music video. Um, all within like the first month I was in New York. And I think that kind of gave me confidence in a sense to put myself out there a little more. And so 
doing projects like that and then simultaneously just making it, like just making stuff as much as I could um, eventually led to just people reaching out to me on my own to make uh, different work for, I, at the time it was not quite so social media based because people were still putting mm-hmm. mainly their budgets into uh, commercials and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think, I mean, obviously we're on a podcast, so people are listening in. And I feel like when you look at your Instagram, for example, you get, you obviously much more clearly understand your work because you see it visually. But can you kind of describe in a more, I guess, basic way some of the pieces you make just so people listening can understand a little bit more concretely about what it is that you do? Because honestly, it's unlike anything I've seen before. Um, so it might be hard to describe, but if you can try. <laughs> no, I get this struggle. It's funny because when I meet new people and I'm at dinner and they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is a long answer. But um, I guess to say it as concisely as possible, uh, a lot of my work is portraits. And so I'll take any item. It might be like pencils and erasers as one portrait that has to do with a famous writer. And then I'll use those pencils and erasers to create um an image of their face. So that's the most simplistic way to describe it. So I try to use materials that relate to the person I'm doing the portrait of. And mm. as I've progressed more, now I really want to tell a story and I want to include more variety of objects and do it on a larger scale so that I can really do almost a 3D timeline representation of someone's essence, but the end result is a image of their face. Mm. Okay, so non-conventional portraits. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I was going to ask where you got inspiration for your different materials, but you kind of answered that and that you're focusing on the person and materials that are relevant to them. But can you share a little bit more about that? Because some of the things you make, it's like unbelievable to see from my perspective, like how you made a portrait using X material. And so I guess what are kind of, when you have a material in mind, what's your next step to figuring out if it like can actually work? And have you tried materials that like haven't worked for your art? I've definitely, yes, I've definitely tried materials that don't work. A lot of, um, especially a lot of the things I work with are perishable. So if it is food or florals, things like that, uh, you're really working on a timeline. And if you are not working fast enough, the stuff will wilt or you'll be using tweezers and I'll be trying to get, you know, a tomato skin to look like someone's iris. But then after 10 minutes in the heat, it no longer, it's shriveled up. So that's definitely some materials don't work. And I think I usually, I mean, I'm inspired by pretty much any material and it's always a challenge of how I can use that. And then the bigger challenge to me sometimes is just what or who I want the actual portrait or end result to be because I'm mainly inspired by kind of conquering the materials and figuring out that problem. Mm-hmm. How does, does that it make any sense? I don't know. I'm kind no, of, no, it does. Okay. I mean, how does it, how do you start though? Like, do you start doing a sketch of the portrait you're making just with pencil, just to, to get an outline and then you move on with working with the materials themselves? Yeah, I definitely start with a sketch. I'll research um, a lot of images of the person to sort of make sure I can capture them. And it it definitely works best with 
people that are easy to see right like their face is really has certain features I guess it like some materials work better with certain faces um Mm. but I'll pick a material do some little tests with it to see if it's kind of like when you squint your eyes is it gonna look how I think it's gonna look because that really helps you see what the portrait will look like when you're from far away and the the end result because when you're looking at these objects close up or one by one it just looks like nothing so it's kind of squinting and figuring out if it's going to come together okay is there one material that stands out to you as being the worst to work with ever um well yes I was on a set once doing a commercial and I had to use mayonnaise and mayonnaise under studio lights turns kind of clear like a nasty milky yellow clear color Mm. so that was and it's just disgusting so (laughs) my least favorite by far um because I would draw a line and then five minutes later it would just be this nasty yeah not good have you recruited like assistants or people who understand your craft and can really like assist you in all of this or are you are you a one-woman show and um so since my work varies so much I kind of hire people based on what job Uh, what each job is and what specifically I need help with, Um, which I think it would be easier if I could just find a person or two that could help with everything. But that's kind of an intimidating thing to try to find. And I haven't found that yet. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine what you do is so unconventional, but also so cool. And I mean, did you ever think this would be your job? No, (laughs) definitely, (laughs) definitely not. Yeah, engineering major. That's cool. You can kind of see the similarities, though. I mean, you do large-scale installations and whatnot. Like, there's definitely engineering brain that goes into all of that. I do use a lot more math than I ever thought I would um, for calculating scale and objects and pricing and all of that. Uh, It's kind of a, a good deal of, you know, basic math. Yeah. Okay, so when it comes to your client work... What would you say are certain things that make a client project or a collaboration successful from your eyes? Hmm. I think my favorite type of work with clients is when they've seen previous work that I've done and have an idea of what they want um, and are still open-minded, but definitely they have a direction because for my scope of work, sometimes clients, which it's really makes me happy that they're coming to me and it's really exciting. But when there's no direction at all, I'm like, well, I could design something that you could see from a spaceship. Like my brain just goes wild. (laughs) So it's kind of like, it's nice when they have a good idea and of of sort of what they want and you get to work back and forth. uh, That usually makes the most successful and streamlined result. Yeah. Is there a a specific client project as you think back that stands out to you as one of your favorites? Yeah, I definitely, my ESPN, not my, but the work I did with ESPN um, commercials was one of the biggest scale projects I've gotten to work on for a client and just really exciting. It was really high pressure and high stress, but that made the payoff um, really great. And what I did for them was I did portraits for the U.S. Open out of tennis balls and tennis rackets, and uh, they were on the courts, and it was really cool. 
Yeah, that was with Roger Federer and Serena's portraits, right? Uh-huh. And um, Federer had actually, like, warmed up on that the court that we shot on earlier that day. So some of his scuffs were still on the court. And you can't see him in the commercial. But just for me, knowing that, I was like, this is so cool. It just felt really full circle. Yeah. So how do you prep for something like that? Like, do you make the installation on another tennis court before you are live on set filming the commercial? No, which was why it was high, high stress because we only had, you know, so one day of shooting for that and I had two portraits. So I think I had wow. four hours for each portrait. And it also, we had a thunderstorm in the middle of the day, which was kind of a nightmare. But um, I kind of have an idea of where things are going and scale it out. But then it's just me. I use chalk and draw it out and then start like placing the objects on top of that. So uh, it's kind of a race against the clock. Four hours. That's unbelievable after, especially after you see the piece. What I found interesting about that piece is that it's not like it's a bunch of different tennis balls making a face. Like it's really minimal but yet you're able to make these portraits look exactly like, like you know exactly that that's Serena Williams, without a doubt. I think it's interesting too, because for that shoot, for whatever reason, the person operating the drone wasn't going to be there until the end of the day, or they could only fly it up one time. So I wasn't able to see while I was working, if it was coming together or not. I just kind of had to cross my fingers and hope that it was oh looking like I thought it did. Um, and so- yeah, I, I sleep for like three weeks after a project like that just because of the stress of it, but, but it's fun. Wow, that is so impressive. Okay, so when it comes to these larger scale projects, to someone like me, that seems incredibly intimidating. I mean, I can't even draw a face on a piece of paper, but <laughs> what do you see as the most difficult things about them? And then also, where do you find the opportunity in them? Yeah, I think... Um, There's obviously a lot of challenges, mainly just acquiring space to do something like that, uh, to find like a gigantic sports court or empty parking lot or whatever you can find is not easy to do, especially as one person. I'm not a production team. Um, And then just the kind of economy of scale of it, because if you think about if I'm using tennis balls, for example, that is easier to do because tennis balls, you can find used ones that they're giving away or recycling. But if you think about 3,000 of any object or 10,000 of any one object that you need, suddenly, even if it's a 25 cent per item material, it becomes really expensive. So I think that's definitely one of the biggest struggles. Um, And I, I wanna do more work in that direction. It is hard to find clients that can understand, or I think that would know what to even ask for. So I think that's something I'm trying to figure out right now. Like, how can I kind of show them examples so that they are inspired to think of it for a project they have? Mm. Yeah. And do you ever pitch yourself to new clients? Like, hey, I can do this for you. Or has your work predominantly been inbounds? It's been inbounds. Um, I I wish I knew the right way to pitch because I send have a box. so many ideas. Yeah, maybe I should send some boxes out. Yeah. Because um, I just – I have so many ideas and I don't know how to – I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. Um, yeah. Well, 
All I know is that when I was um, on the agency side of things, whenever a creative would send me their work and be like, hey, I can do this for your XYZ client, even if I didn't have an opportunity for them right at that moment, I always kept that person in mind. And then like as we planned for the brand and for the year, I would always think, where can I plug this kind of project in? But I think you should, I mean, you should send boxes like that worked the you first time. You should do that. And it's fun for me, honestly. It's it's like, it's nice to have a place to put your ideas into the universe instead of them just sitting, you know, in my notebook. So. Yeah. Yeah. And do you create art for yourself as well? Or how do you balance the two if you do? Yeah, I think um, I am always doing stuff for myself. Like I like to build, I'm building furniture or just painting on a canvas uh, and kind of just keeping all of my creative juices flowing in different uh, categories and sort of balancing work that I'm doing for myself, work I'm doing for clients, and then that middle ground of work that I think is appealing to potential clients that's maybe not my personal passion project, but is more potential to get clients. So I can have three paths on that but I try to keep things going all the time yeah is it easier out in LA considering space to do what you do (laughs) (laughs) yes space and a car yeah the logistics in New York um even if I was doing an installation at an event half of my struggle was how am I gonna how many doors are into the building where this event is? And how am I going to stop in the middle of a Manhattan street and unload the car with these delicate objects? Or it was always those sort of problems. So I didn't even, the art was like the afterthought because it was really a logistical issue. And Mm. being in LA, um, I have space, I can have tools, I have a car, I can like run an errand without it being a half day ordeal. So it's a huge difference. Yeah, that's a game changer, especially where you are because you're so central to the city. So that must be definitely okay so then you were cast um i believe if my research is correct 2019 in nbc's making it season two yes what was that process (laughs) like like how did they reach out to you and then also what was it like filming yeah so they reached out to me and I kind of was like, "Eh, I don't know about this. I had watched some of the first season and thought it was like a fun show, but I never really thought about ever wanting to do anything like that, like be on TV, make any sort of creative thing under pressure. It just seemed like not up my alley. So I didn't really get back to them. And then I was talking to my mom and she was like, well, you have nothing to lose by just talking to them. So I, I did that with some back and forth. I eventually came to the conclusion like there's really nothing to lose so um I went for it and it was really like a wild experience that wasn't what I expected because the show is so you know funny and lighthearted. but in the in the moment it just felt pretty stressful but it was fun I learned so much about like having to let things go and having to put your work out there, even if it's not your favorite, because you're on a show and it's going to be out there. So there's no turning back. And I think it was good for me. I think I grew a lot to just having to talk about my work, having to feel more comfortable um, being confident about things I'm making and all of those sort of lessons that I don't know how else I would get in such a fast way. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, 
that exposed you to so many new people. I'm sure you got inbounds following that experience just because people saw what you could do on TV. Yeah, I think I it didn't affect my career a ton, hmm. um, which I didn't really expect it to. But I think everyone always is like, oh, well, that must have changed your career and had all of these clients. It didn't really change that much. But for hmm. me personally, it changed a lot. Like I, I learned a lot. Um, but I think it's too, it's, it's such a crafty show, which was kind of part of the reason I was hesitant to do it because that's not my ideal workspace, um, Mm -hmm. to be making like crafty things really fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was great. It was a great experience and a great stretch for me. Yeah. It's two weeks, right? Well, we shot it for about eight weeks. Oh, I think it was maybe a little less than eight weeks, but it was a while. It was like pretty intense. Wow. Was it in LA? Yeah, it was at Universal. Okay. Wow. (laughs) I know. And I was so tired and delirious. Like by the end of it, my hotel room overlooked like the Hogwarts castle and I would wake up with like just being exhausted and see the Hogwarts castle and (gasps) feel so disoriented. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, okay. So as you look back on your career so far, um, are there certain milestones or moments that really stand out to you kind of as you like connect the dots in your journey? And, um, do you want to share what those are? Hmm. I think for me, and I'm sure a lot of other artists, the milestones don't really click until two years after they happen Mm -hmm. uh, because it's hard to kind of accept it or see it from from an outside perspective, even in your own life, uh, for a few years later, like I'll, I'll see some of the clients that I've worked with. And I think looking back, all of those big clients and giant projects I've done and problem solved for, um, feel like really big milestones for me now, but in the moment it kind of felt like nothing. So I feel like the milestones happen in retrospect. Yeah. I totally get that. Um, Okay. Well, Jesse, I have five final questions. Um, Ask everyone these questions. So we may have touched on some of the topics, but I will ask nonetheless. So question number one is what drives you to create? Um, I think just intrinsic motivation, really. Uh, I think I would be doing it no matter what. I can't help it. (laughs) Question number two, this one is fill in the blank. Feeling inspired feels like adrenaline. I surprisingly haven't gotten that answer before. <laughs> really? Really? I just feel like it's like such a rush. Yeah. Okay. Question number three, uh, where do you go to get your creative juices flowing and how do you overcome creative blocks? I I definitely try to stay away from too much time on internet or social media or things like that for inspiration. I really just love a good walk. Now that I'm in LA, I can like walk on the beach and just clear my mind and kind of see what comes. Um, and then if I really, if I'm stumped, I kind of like to like Rube Goldberg of creativity, my creative path by finding something distantly connected to what I want my end result to be and kind of try not to look up anything too specific. So if I know I want to work with mirrors, I'll look up like, you know, chrome tire plating or something sort of distant, but similar that might like spark inspiration that can help me connect those dots and find some weird middle ground that feels different. Mm. 
And where do you look these things up? (laughs) Is it Google? Is it Pinterest or another platform? I try to stick to Google. And again, like as distant as I can from any street art or sculpture or Mm -hmm. um, other artwork, I try to stay distant from that. Okay. And why is that? Uh, I think I get really sometimes overstimulated, overinspired, or kind of stuck on something. Like I never want to see something and feel like, great, well, they already did that. Now I can't do that. And then sort of get in that mindset. I really like to know that any idea that I have is original from me, even though, you know, other people can come up with the same idea. But at least I know that I didn't see it somewhere else. I I came up with it. And um, I'm not, you know, piggybacking on anything. I like to try to come up with fresh stuff, which again, is sometimes sort of impossible. But uh, yeah, it helps me stay flowing instead of feeling stuck. Mm. Question number four, if you could tell your younger self one thing or one piece of advice, what would you say? Uh, I guess this is advice to my current and past self that you have to put yourself out there uh, because people don't know what's going on in your brain unless you express it. And uh, creatively as well, you have to put it out there for people to understand. Mm -hmm. And then finally, question five, what are you looking forward to today? Is there anything that's coming up that's keeping you feeling motivated and inspired? Uh, I think... A couple things. I am working on this collaboration with um, a friend of mine who's a chef. His name's Jordan Andino, and we're going to do this sort of um, drone artwork slash dinner event collaboration where I'm going to create a giant piece of art around like a custom built dining (laughs) table where like people will come eat and I'm going to be making the art during the event. And then we're going to shoot like portraits of it at the end with the people eating as part of the bigger picture. Um, again, kind of that is incredible. just say it with words. So I hope that makes sense. Um, so I'm excited to do that. And then just being in LA and having all of the new opportunities of like space and materials and tools here. It's like every day I feel like I, there's a million things I want to do. Yeah. Wait. So just back on this uh-huh. dinner installation, um, So are you like, you're, I guess the way I think about that is you're figuring out, obviously everyone has a table setting and they'll be sitting somewhere. And so you're working around these people as you build the installation live while they're eating dinner. Yes. And where (laughs) can I go to see this when it's complete? (laughs) I know. I don't know. We don't have a date set yet, but as soon as we do, I will let you know because I'm I'm pretty, I think it's just a fun thing. And actually he he called me with this idea. We've been like trying to work on something together for years. He's just like a, such an enthusiastic, creative guy. And um, he had this idea. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a dream. That's awesome. We should do it. So we're both pretty pumped about it. That's incredible. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> well, Jesse, can you share where people can find you um, to see more of your work? Yeah, just uh, my website and my Instagram is Jesse Bearden. And it's uh, where my stuff is. Awesome. Hopefully it will make everything I said make more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll also link it in the show notes, but thank you so much. Oh, actually, I had one more question, which I thought of when you were speaking. Have you met anyone who does anything similar to you since you've started? Um, Yeah, I have. I think especially over the years, like when I 
started doing this, there were less people doing this kind of stuff. And on social media now, I I see other people doing similar things. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone specific, but... Well, I just think it's yeah. – because I'm sure when you see your work, it obviously – it's so different. But then I'm sure it inspires other people to try it out or do something similar. So I guess would you have any advice for someone who wants to do what you do? Like how do you just get better at your craft? I think um, – I think you just have to keep experimenting. And for me, at least – isn't exactly answering your question, but when I, the more I see people doing things or if I see stuff similar to mine, to me, that just pushes me to think like, okay, if other people are doing this too, how can what I'm doing be different? Like, why would someone come to me versus come to someone else? And if I don't have that answer, then to I know I need to work harder and come up with something that's more creative because there's always something that can make you stand out. You just have to find what that thing is. Mm. Okay. I won't ask you any more questions. (laughs) But Jesse, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Creative Juicy. If you like what you heard, it would mean so much if you can take a minute to rate and review the show. Be sure to hit subscribe to stay updated on new episodes and follow me at Mish, M-I-C-H, underscore Wainwright on Instagram for more podcast updates. You can also find show notes and a transcript for today's episode at creativejuicypodcast.com. Hope you have a good one. Bye.